The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. All right, we're back here for another episode of Midwest Swing. You can find us on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. Part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network, which you can find on Twitter at Zone Coverage. Amen. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, at Brandon underscore Warren on Twitter, flying a little bit solo today. We got Tim Cheesebro producing, Justin Bailey not anywhere to be found, and Tom Schreier is off taking care of some personal business. So we are going to just kind of roll into this one. We've got a very special guest. You've possibly heard him a couple different times on here, but he goes by the moniker Tiny Nick at the real Tiny Nick on Twitter. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Doing good. And so if I recall correctly, you've been on the show at least once, maybe twice. But if people are not familiar with you, how do you know in general? Maybe we should say Tom because he's kind of your point person here with zone coverage. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been a longtime friend of Cy Amundsen. Yeah. Uh, and Cy introduced me to Tom Schreier, and then Tom Schreier introduced me to you. So we got kind of the lineage of uh, of Midwest swing here through Cy Amundsen, through Tom Schreier. It's like the seven degrees <laughs> yeah, of separation. Yeah, a, little, a little sports talk radio connection. Exactly. So you're a Twins fan. How did that start? And, you know, what's your... What's your Twins fandom like? I know you're not in the Twin Cities full-time right now, so you're following a little bit from a distance, but what what is your fandom like? How did it come about? And are you a diehard? Are you, I, I feel like you're pretty diehard. I know you've got regular tickets out in, in the right field corner in foul territory, but you know, just kind of lay out for us what, uh, what makes you such an interesting guest for us. <laughs> you know, um... I've uh I've probably gone to like you know three four hundred Twins games in my life, but uh I when my dad was uh, or when I was a kid, my dad got season tickets for the Twins when we were like the worst team in the league, um, up in the second deck, and uh, for the last twenty years we've had them, and yeah we've kind of progressed and moved down, but uh, the Twins and the Cowboys, uh, I've told you I'm a Cowboys fan too. They've always just been the only two teams that I've gotten full excited about um i pretty much never miss a twins game unless uh unless i'm at work or doing something that i absolutely can't miss it for but uh yeah i'd say i'm a pretty big diehard twins fan so going into last season let's say on a scale of zero to a hundred and again this is going into 2019 not 2020 what was your level of expectation or confidence that the 2019 twins would be pretty good again zero to a hundred hundred being the highest um, you're saying for last year. Yeah. So or this, com, or coming off, coming going, off 70, going, 78 wins, firing Paul Molitor, yeah. bringing in Rocco, hey, pretty good set of players. Obviously they played in the wild card game the year before and then, yeah, tough season, you yeah. know, Lance Lynn stinks, Logan Morrison stinks, that sort of stretch. <laughs> so starting anew before 2019 what was your confidence level with that team making some noise in the al central and the nl or the al excuse me as a whole uh probably not high i um i think on a a radio show i was on um last year i said like 82 wins was my projection but i think even that for me was really optimistic Uh, i had a i had a feeling they were going to have a rough year um especially with the pitching situation but uh no, I definitely liked the lineup more than I did the year previously. Logan Morrison, that was just a train wreck. Um, as yeah, soon as you know, as soon as he was out of the lineup, that was an automatic out, kind of gone, which helps a big a big amount. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, just in just in general, I was excited about the team, but I'm a lot more excited about the team this year. I'd be like probably twice as excited. Mm-hmm. When when I think about how I feel about this team, I like to get the perspective of a fan too, especially someone that I think is is really into it. You know, you get a lot of casual fans who might not know who's going to start at you know starting left field on a given day. Maybe not left field is a good example, but maybe left field two or three years ago. So I like to have fans who are really, you know, maybe not live and die, but pretty close to it. And Ryan Turnquist has been one of those guys. And I consider you one of those guys too. So it's a good match for me because that's the kind of fan I was before I had to kind of turn in my twins cap for, I don't know, whatever cap. Yeah. yeah. uh, Fedora. Well, if you you go into like a time portal into last year Mm -hmm. um, at this time, Miguel uh, Miguel Sano was coming off of that like weird cut he had. That's your guy, by so the nobody, way. Nobody, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's my favorite player. So nobody knew if we were going to get anything out of him, especially with the off season trade. He he just had a lot of weird stuff going on. And he um, had a tough Buxton, season the year before too. He he really didn't play well. No, and the, there was a lot of talk about him being out of shape. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. And, and he just he didn't know what you were going to get. The big optimistic uh, thing last year was Barrios having a, an even better season than he had the year previously. And he had a really good year, but I, I would say that uh, he didn't take the leap I, I was hoping he would take um, from an optimistic standpoint. But I think pretty much everyone else besides uh, Byron Buxton reached uh, full potential with the, outs, uh, with the exception of Max Kepler tailing off so hard at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's pretty hard to say last year was a disappointment in any way. Um, the only disappointment uh, going into last year probably would have been, and I think I've said this a few times, is uh, is not not planning on having the success they had, and then reaching the trade deadline and not being able to make the moves that uh, that would have created a winning a winning ball club, um, a little or a little bit more of a competitive ball club, especially with power arms in the bullpen, something along those lines. Uh, before selling uh, prospects at the trade deadline, I think if we would have kind of built our rotation and our bullpen up a little more last year before the season it would have given us a lot more power yeah i think there's some serendipity in it too though with kyle gibson being not the kyle gibson they'd hoped for and michael pineda being suspended and that sort of thing where a lot of that was coming after the trade deadline too where they couldn't have prepared now you can make the argument that you wouldn't necessarily want kyle gibson starting game three or game four in a postseason series and i i can i can jive with that Michael Pineda may be a different story, especially against the Yankees, who, when I asked him early in the season... Gibson about, did have that stretch, though. Yeah, yeah, he had a good stretch. People act like he's terrible because of last year, but yeah. I, I, I remember that stretch a couple years ago. I was even optimistic about Gibson. Yeah, and so Pineda, too, I asked him about facing the Yankees for the first time, which he did earlier in the season, and he admitted he was excited. It's the same thing I asked Phil Hughes, I don't know, six, seven years ago, too, is you get a little bit extra juice when you're facing these guys for the first time that you came up with or you spent a lot of time with. But when when we look at 2019 season as a whole, how would you characterize like riding the wave as a fan? Because it it obviously became pretty evident fairly early that this was going to be a pretty good team. And, you know, they they had some time where they had to kind of stave off the Indians down the stretch. But and certainly it helped that the Indians dealt with injuries. They traded Trevor Bauer and now they've traded Corey Kluber. So it's, it's going to be interesting going into 2020, but I'm curious how you rolled the wave in 2019 as a fan and how especially the postseason kind of culminated that wave or ended that wave, which I'm sure was pretty high at times, especially going into the end of the season yeah. with 101 wins. 
Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think throughout the season, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we started the season off really hot last year. Uh, huge lead. I was obviously feeling good at the beginning of the season, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, when the Indians started to narrow the gap, when the Indians got hot, they went on that big run. They were talking a lot of crap. Uh, I, I definitely got nervous. I thought uh, I thought it could turn into a collapse pretty easily, but I think the turning point for for me and, and really believing in the the AL Central Championship is uh, when Trevor Bauer chucked that ball in the stands. Um, at that City. point, I kind of realized uh, they don't they don't they're not as together as as people think. And you know, the Twins obviously had a, a really good team thing going. And at that point, I realized the Twins were going to win the Central. I think I think what annoyed me the most when they got to the playoffs and lost to the Yankees was the idea that it was the same old story. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you realize that they haven't made the American League Division Series in a decade. Target Field yeah. was the, in its 10th season last year, and it hosted a playoff game for the first time since that first season at Target Field. And I think for it to be same old, same old, yeah, I know they lost wild card games to the Yankees, but that was a one-off. Anybody could have won those. Even the Twins, you know, yeah. Brian Dozier yeah. homers, and, and they, they get up to that start, and then it, it just kind of fizzles on them. Urban Santana can't find the strike zone. We all remember what happened. But it's hard for me to go hey, same Rosario old, too. right? It's hard for me to go same old, same old when there was a decade almost between those series. That playoff disappointment, yeah, yeah. I, I understand as fans, is is hard to swallow. But to get there from just a couple years ago, losing 103 games, getting the first overall pick, I don't know, man. For me, it's pretty hard to be disappointed in making the playoffs at all. Granted, the offense went quiet, the pitching staff didn't do much. Luis Arise got injured, and you know there was questions of if he'd get to play. And granted, he did hit pretty well. He's one of yeah. the only guys who hit pretty well in that series. But the growth that that team showed over one year and three years, the kind of every other year where they struggled, I just I couldn't help but be impressed. No, I was uh, I was super impressed. It's funny that you bring that up. Uh, last night I was actually uh, talking to a girl who was from St. Louis. Uh, she told me she's from Jake Odorizzi's uh, hometown, and uh, and and just basically was asking me about my Twins fanship and. I basically told her 10 years is, is the last time that the Twins have been uh, as relevant as they were last season. And as a kid, I never realized uh, how, how rare it would be to, to go to the playoffs or go to that because my whole childhood from the first year I could remember till the time I was about you know 16, the Twins won the AL Central every single season. So to, to take that long of a, a hiatus from the playoffs uh, outside of the little 2017 thing and, and to get swept like that, it was uh, – it wasn't fun, but at the same time, like I was saying uh, last night, like I, was, I was explaining, my dog got, you know, my dog was run over right before the, the Twins playoff run this year. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I just kind of, I had a really bad, uh, a really bad week leading up and, and the Twins season kind of, it, it kind of felt like it went like how my life was going this whole year and everything kind of went well and everything kind of imploded in, uh, in the beginning of October and, and, uh, and, and I don't think people talk about it enough with the, the way that that series went that I think it was the, was it the third inning of game one where, uh, where Arias and Crone and all those mishaps happened. That, that was a mental, uh, that was, a, that just destroyed the whole team mentally. And if that inning doesn't happen and the twins get out of there with a lead and they just battle and they get to the end of that game, uh, you know, not down four or five runs, I think that whole series mentally goes different. And mm-hmm. the whole, you know, the whole starting Dubnik, uh, in the, in the last game and, or it was a game two. Yeah. Um, was it, 
Yeah, game two. It just uh, and and the way that went, it just it turned into more of an embarrassment than it should have been. Um, I don't think it was necessarily the wrong decision, but I you know I I have a lot of family that are Nationals fans. My whole family's from DC, and and also getting their perspective. Uh, it just it wasn't a good look for the you know the small town twins to to go out there trot out the whole Uber driver thing. It would have been hilarious if he went out and won, but the way he went out got slaughtered. The Yankees just come to Minnesota. I'm at that game three. The game just nobody was the the, the mood in that game that ballpark was so dark that night for a playoff game. It was just it was weird. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I think they, I just, uh, that's that's basically. I mean, and, and then uh, I'll I'll finish off with the the game that that October game. Um, it was it was cold. It was whatever. They turned the lights off. I swear to you, whenever the Twins got something going, everyone around me instead of getting excited, it was like, who's going to mess up now? And and that was that was a feeling I hadn't I hadn't felt in, in about you know ten years against the Yankees. Yeah, I think you're right. It was a very sullen mood, and fans leaving early, which really annoyed me. To be honest with you, if you spend that much on playoff in the, in tickets, the playoffs, yeah, I just, I, <laughs> and I get it. But I think you're right about the tone being set, because if I remember correctly, I think a rise had a pop-up that he didn't quite get to, and you could kind of point to that ankle injury that he suffered in Kansas City the last week of the season, which I actually saw. I was in Kansas City for that, so it was a pretty pretty weird situation. But then, yeah, there was a throw that Crone couldn't dig out that would have, I think, been a double play or something like that. And, yeah, I think you're right. It set yeah, the tone a little bit. Air. Yeah, something like that where it, it you got to keep the ball in front of you, that sort of thing. And I think those are all you know really well taken. And also, you kind of made me realize something. I did not realize how close Randy Dobnak's last name is to Devin Dubnik. And I'm definitely going to tweet that too. So I'll, yeah, I, I can, I always, I always butcher him and Odorizzi's last name, honestly, <laughs> like for someone that watches the twins and knows the twins so well, I cannot say their last names. So everyone kind of points to, well, the twins don't have an ace. You can't win in the postseason, And I get it. And I don't know that they have one now. I think Rich Hill could be an October ace. I think Kenta Maeda's got enough success in October think Jose Barrios could take that next step but I also look at last year's Yankees and they pushed the Astros pretty hard in the American League Championship Series and I got to ask you and I don't know where you stand on this argument so maybe you'll be in lockstep with me and we won't have anything to discuss but who was the ace for the Yankees last year they didn't have one they made it to within a, a step of the World Series and we don't know what the Astros were up to so to me that Part of that is why the ace argument falls flat because the Yankees and, and they were an offensive team. The Twins were an offensive team. But then you get to the World Series and you've got teams that each have three aces, the Astros with Granke and Cole and Verlander and the Nationals with Scherzer and Corbin and Strasburg. I mean, you can have all the aces in the world and it might mean you win the World Series. It might mean you lose the World Series. But keep in mind the Nationals, and we've talked about this on the show all the time, they needed a misplay by Trent Grisham, a guy who was not even a regular for the Brewers last year, to win the wild card game, to get into the division series, to make the championship yeah, series, so true. to eventually get to the World Series. So the idea that you need a specific blueprint to follow just falls flat with me. You build the best team you can with yeah. the resources you have. And that's maybe that's where I'll lead into the offseason eventually here. But... I look at the Yankees last year. Now, I know they went and got Garrett Cole, but you look at the rest of the rotation. How many of the guys behind Cole and maybe Tanaka can you name right now that are healthy? That's the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> they have Jay Hab still. I know they, uh, Severino's going for Tommy John, right? Yeah, and Domingo Herman suspended for 
off-field stuff. Yeah, and Jordan think- Montgomery hasn't been healthy for a while. They've they've got some question marks. I know they got Davey Garcia, prospect they really like. They got some prospects they really like, but nobody's all that close in terms of like they're going to come in and shove like you'd expect Severino to do well healthy. So the conversation might become, yeah, you got Garrett Cole. You spent $300 some million on him, but now you got nobody behind him. And then then you start looking at, okay, well, if the Twins had gotten that quote-unquote ace, let's just say Steven Strasburg, for comparison's sake, if you don't have anything behind them, what's the point? Especially if it costs you the opportunity at Josh Donaldson. And granted, the Twins have pretty good two through four, five starters, and if you want to say they have two number twos and not give Barrios that number one building, I'm not going to argue. But again, it just comes down to asset allocation, building the best team you can within your constraints, whether it's artificially from ownership saying they don't want to spend any more money or just your 40 man roster and your farm system and the trades that are presented to you, the free agents that agree to sign with you. I just, I reject the notion that you have to follow a certain path. The Royals in 2015 won the world series without a legit ace. They rented Johnny Cueto. They rented Ben Zobrist, but I don't know that Johnny Cueto was exactly an ace at that point. And they made trades that they, you know, they're still paying for. They 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 traded Sean Manaya to the A's for Ben Zobris. Manaya, when healthy, is a legit number one, number two starter. So I really don't have a problem with how they've built this team going into this offseason. But I look at last year's Yankees team as a blueprint where, and, and maybe Twins fans will be like, yeah, we'll get into the ALCS and losing isn't enough for me. But again, then I point back at the last ten years. How can you how can you have lived and died with this team over the last ten years and not be happy getting to the ALCS? And if you aren't happy getting to the ALCS, why watch baseball? Yeah, I mean, I would be happy getting to the yeah. ALCS yeah. Uh, as a Twins fan. It means we probably beat the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, they're probably going to face them again. I, I would, I would expect. I mean, the Red Sox. You know, we don't know if Chris Sale is going to pitch at all this year. You know, he got three opinions to find out he doesn't need Tommy John surgery. How many of those opinions do you think said? Yeah, you need Tommy John surgery. I would say at least one of them, right? I mean, why keep getting opinions if they're well, saying positive things? To kind of, to kind of, and I, I know um, you and I agree on most things. Uh, I yeah. think one of the things I do disagree on, um, and it's not really a disagreement because I know there's a lot more that goes into it than the common fan thinks with like with getting players to come to Minnesota um, with you know contractual obligations stuff like that. You can't just go out and pay the same amount as someone else and say come here. It's not always like that, but. Uh, you know, looking at the looking at the difference of what the Twins, the Yankees, and all these other teams. If you look at the Yankees, they can send out you know enough guys any game that every single batter is an underdog. And I don't think the Twins, uh, I don't think the Twins have the the power arms to kind of make you have that feeling. Like we have guys that, yeah, they can they can throw a three five four ERA for a regular season, and they can go out there and maybe throw six innings of three three earned runs or something like that. But the Yankees have guys that they can send out for an inning or two innings that are expected to go out and punch out four guys. And that's, uh, that's something that the twins didn't have. I mean, I, I, obviously the Garrett Cole thing is like the big deal, but going back to last year, they had Britain, uh, they had Chapman. I mean, Chad Green. Uh, they had Tommy Conley. Yeah. Green. They had Ottavino. I know he struggled a lot. Um, I'm forgetting someone I'm sure, but, uh, they just had they had enough guys that their their starting pitcher could go four or five innings and they could bring in this bullpen and and even if they overthrew the bullpen in the playoffs like I think the Yankees are a team that understands like who cares we don't have these guys forever uh, let's get our use out of them and 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 move on like Araldis was throwing 
40 pitches in innings. Uh, he throws 101 miles per hour. That's obviously not the blueprint. So I think that's uh, I think that's a big difference in, in what the Twins were looking at. I mean, when you send out, uh, you know, like Romo, for example, his fastball was hitting like 87 miles per hour. When you send a guy mm-hmm. out that's, uh, that's throwing 102 against that, think about the difference there. You go 87, 15 back, that's 72 miles per hour. That's a, that's a huge difference in power arms. Now, I know Romo's good, but, you know, he leaves one pitch middle in or something and some guy cranks it. That's a run that's going to be a lot harder to get back against those power arms. And you bring up the Nationals and a couple other teams. The The Nationals are a team that I know they could have been knocked out at any point, but, you know, looking up, uh, you know, going up against them, if they have Strasburg, uh, they even had Corbin get hot. But Scherzer, you know, they have these guys that if, uh, if, if you go up against them, even Sanchez got hot. Um, you can't, you're putting up seven, seven, eight innings of, you know, two, three run ball. Yeah. The twins pitchers, if you watch, how long did a twins game feel in the playoffs? It, it felt like four games uh, pitching wise. It, it literally felt like four games. And if you watched a, one of these other teams that, you know, kind of got through the playoffs a little easier, it wasn't so much with the offense and just blowing the top off the ball. It was a lot more of just having, having guys that can go out there, uh, get, get out of an inning in 10, 15 minutes and, and not kind of get, leave guys in the in the field for thirty five minutes to get disinterested, and and that's kind of what happened with the Twins. Just it, it, it becomes it, it becomes more of a mental game in the playoffs. And even though we have different players, and we've had every time, it, the mental game did not go well for the Twins in in October. Yeah, I was gonna say that there there is a risk of mental exhaustion, and I think too, where statistical analysis can fall short. And actually, I probably agree with you more than not. If I'm not mistaken, the Twins actually got more. Fangraphs war from their starters last year than the Nationals did. And then you look at the bullpen. This is kind of interesting. Where do you think the Yankees and the Twins ranked last year in the major leagues in bullpen ERA? Give me the Yankees first, well, twins, I know, twins second. I know too much about this for like a casual fan. I know we were like, I know we finished the season top 10. Um, exactly uh, 10th. At the end of the year. For, exactly 10. I, I think we were number nine. I think we were 10 and the Yankees were number nine. If yep. I'm, 408, 417. Now, is that, is that right? was it 10 and 9? Yep. And so I'll, I'm going to make a point, and then I'm going to circle back on what you said because you make a good point. So, Twins relievers threw about 90 fewer innings. So, the Yankees had a Fangraphs war of 7 6, the Twins 7 4. Once you massage the innings totals, obviously the Twins get an advantage there. Yankees, I think, led baseball in strikeouts per nine from relievers, but they also had more walks. They also allowed more homers than the Twins. And so FIP, you know, basically just kind of playing all that out and saying what you should have had based on neutralized luck favors the Twins, 415 to 392. Now, like with the Nationals, where your point works is in the playoffs, you're not going eight or nine deep in your bullpen. You're not going five deep. That's the big difference. Right. You're not going five deep with your starters. You're not going 25 deep with your roster. You're going to focus on your stars. Now, I think this validates signing Josh Donaldson, complete, complete aside, because you're going with your stars this time on offense instead of pitching. And you, I, you can absolutely, I know people say you can't win with homers in October. That's nonsense. It's a, we'll, we'll save that for another day. But I think it validates the twin <laughs> signing basically a superstar. Now, let's come full circle on this. Rocco Baldelli was managing his first playoff series ever he's he's got cody stashak out there who's let's face it a, a nice reliever but we don't know 
he might not even make this opening day roster. When yeah, I was screaming at my TV. When yes, when <laughs> and so first of all, I, I assume you had some qualms with how he did that. I think where Aaron Boone showed just a little bit more playoff preparedness as a manager. I think you have to manage your bullpen like this. Once your starter comes out, it's kind of like power rankings. You go to your first guy, your second guy, your third guy, and maybe you save someone like Araldus Chapman to the ninth inning or the eighth inning, maybe even the seventh, you know, Josh Hader style like the Brewers and Craig Council do. But it's not yeah. the same bullpen management as you've done all season long. It might be five and dive if you're lucky with your starter, unless you've got a, a, a Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Justin Verlander. But you're massaging. And so you get, yeah, through, yeah. you get through four innings with Jake Odorizzi and the game's 4-2. You're leading. Who do you go to? Do you go to Cody Stashak, your fifth guy in that bullpen, who you would normally go to if it's July 15th and you're up six games in the division? And you just need to get the you know get through to your back end guys, your Trevor Mays, Tyler Duffy, yep. and Taylor Rogers. In the postseason, yep. Aaron Boone goes to Zach Britton. He goes to Chad Green, guys who never throw the fifth or sixth inning, other than he October. Goes to Adovino also. Right, and so not only is his depth magnified, but the postseason strategy of you know you're not throwing your sixth or seventh reliever out there. Those guys only exist in the playoffs. Because you need 25, and if you're down 14-2 in the fourth inning, someone's got to throw those innings. You can't just wave the white flag. You know, you can't just simulate yeah, the end of the yeah. game, MLB the show style. So I think that's where I've kind of come full circle in the idea that, yeah, okay, you know, the Twins are five deep in the rotation. In fact, you could say eight or nine deep. I mean, Randy Dobnak can start for a lot of big league teams. I bet the Yankees right now wouldn't mind having a Devin Smeltz or Randy Dobnak, Lewis Thorpe type as their number five starter basically because just yeah. sheer depth. But I think I think in October, you know, the haves and have-nots are magnified. Now, that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to win if you have those guys, and it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to lose if you don't have those guys. I think the Royals, the two years that they won the AL pennant and the one year they won the World Series, were a better sum of their parts, like better than the sum of their parts, which I know mathematically is going to fall flat with a lot of people, but they didn't have yeah. a ton of star power. Mike Moustakis was a nice player. Lorenzo Cain was a really good player. Eric Hosmer is a pretty good player back then. So I think as much as I like statistical analysis, there is some game theory here that has to kind of nudge out and say, if, if you want to make noise in the playoffs again, with as much randomness as can happen, because yeah. it's a short series, superstars win the day. And that's, I think validating the fact that when they missed out on Zach Wheeler, who they really wanted and believed they could turn into a superstar pitcher, maybe the next Garrett Cole, uh, not, not to that level, but you know, get more out of them than the Mets did because the Mets are a train wreck, but they wanted Hyun Jin yeah. Ryu, who's not a superstar, by the way, if you did a blind test of his numbers in Kenta Maeda's, most people that don't follow at your level would not be able to pick them apart. I can say that for sure, but they throw, they throw different arms, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, lefty, righty. And, and people will say, oh, you're making yeah, an Asian comparison because it's too. convenient. But no, I broke down the numbers and, and, you know, Ryu gets a few more grounders and that's about it. Maeda's, Maeda's going to be really good. Yeah. But it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's when they lost out on those pitchers and granted, neither were superstars. Pivoting to Donaldson to me made a ton of sense because without Donaldson, you look at that infield and maybe you sign an Eric Thames, maybe you sign 
let's just say a CJ Crone 2.0, whoever you decide that is. Yeah, you're just gonna have an, you're gonna have another guy that's just not as exciting and, and but your not, offense not a, like, not a hole in the lineup. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the offense will still be good. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You could assign Todd Frazier, move Sano over to first, and your Bomba Squad 2.0. And I don't know if you've heard, but I say don't call him the Bomba Squad again. But that's again another discussion for another day. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with not calling him the Bomba it's Squad again too. But time to be I, also, I mean, I think players are even saying they're not the Bomba Squad. Therefore, no. like I think that's the end of it. But well, and when I'm I play, not, when I played sports coming up, every joke, every gag from every year does not get recycled. You start over clean. And I know that doesn't mean that I'm a professional or anything. But anyway, so I think I think your point about superstars is well taken. I think your point about in the playoffs having what the Yankees had in the bullpen. I just I know it doesn't guarantee anything, but it is a different type of roster construction and a different type of managing. So I guess too long didn't read. Did you have a problem with how Rocco managed in the postseason? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, real quick before I get to that, the Yankees last year also they had a they had a really big star star team, but you know, they had guys like Couchman and all those other Couchman, whatever his name is. Luke Voigt. They had guys like that yep. come up and, and play better than uh than their, their stars did. And I think one of the biggest mistakes they actually made was Overplaying Stanton in the playoffs, uh, uh, kind of because he had the big contract and Stanton. Yeah. Whereas I don't think he was ready to play, and I think I think the Yankees kind of re- like punched their own momentum in the face. But uh, in terms of Rocco, um, I, I I I love Rocco. Um, mm-hmm. All season I was into Rocco. I I could not believe the the, the three games in the playoffs were were managed. Uh, in, in my opinion, were managed horribly. The one thing I'll give him. Uh, a little leeway on is a lot of people are upset that Taylor Rogers didn't pitch. And, you know, like, like what you just said, when was Taylor Rogers going to come into a game? It was like, we got bombarded so quick in every one of those games that it's like, mm-hmm. you're going to put Taylor Rogers in the third or fourth inning. And we get to the end of a game shaking. Who's going to come out of the bullpen. Like it was one of those things that I, I, I know you want to pitch your best arms, but I really didn't mind not throwing Taylor Rogers. The, the twins didn't deserve to see Taylor Rogers in that series, the way that those games started. Yeah. That being said, um, I, I don't want to see Romo come out in the fifth inning to try to, to try to bridge a gap to someone like Duffy to try to bridge a gap to, to Rogers, um, against a team that good. Uh, I know we've made a couple of bullpen moves this year and I know Maeda in the past has been a, a, a bullpen pitcher in the playoffs, but, I would really like to see the Twins uh, trot out three guys, probably, uh, you know, and Barrios. Uh, I- I'm a little, I'm a little in the dark on this, but I'd say, I'd say Barrios. I'd like to see Pineda in our postseason rotation. Yep. And maybe Maeda, and then, and then whoever's good out of the bullpen, whether it's Odorizzi or someone out of those guys. I, I don't want it to be Maeda. I really would like to see Maeda start, yep. especially with I know he, like I, he probably wanted to start in LA and didn't get the chance. That's why he I'd asked like out. He he asked for a trade. Yeah, exactly. I think he I think he doesn't want to be that guy. So I'd like to right. see somebody, uh, you know, be able to be that long relief bullpen guy, but not because the Twins are losing in a game, but because they need three strong innings to to end a game or to win a game. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. I that's, think you're that's, exactly. that's really the whole thing. Like you don't you don't need to you don't like you just said you don't need. 20 guys on a roster that can that can throw the ball hard you need about six seven in the playoffs and the twins have an amazing regular season uh roster if they could get that to be a playoff roster and kind of focus more on the on the stars like like what you i, I like a point that you also made you can only really pitch one pitcher at a time mm-hmm. donaldson can play every single day yep um that's that's huge if you can get anything out of those other pitchers to, to kind of bridge that gap to the star to the star hitters, and you don't have <clears throat> guys like Max Kepler 
<clears throat> excuse me, go out there and just play like absolute trash in the playoffs, uh, coming off of injury in the Arias thing. We we were our, our roster was plenty good enough to win a World Series last year. Yep. It's just uh, you can't have guys go out there and just have twenty five minute long innings in, in the beginning of the game, especially. So, what, what year would you say was your first year as a fan? For me, it was ninety three, but obviously you probably weren't even you were definitely not born then. But what was your first year as a fan? <laughs> I was getting close. Um, my first year as a fan was probably 2000. 2000? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so not too far off. Um, the, the reason why I ask is because when you look at the body of work of off season, since you've been a fan and your, your body of, of fandom is going to tilt towards late Metrodome era and then target field era. And after after the fun times at the Dome, it was basically the Ron Gardenhire era. Yeah, so... When Ron Gardenhire picked up everything. While the Twins weren't able to extend Johan Santana, and keep in mind, Johan Santana never played in a playoff game outside a Twins uniform. He had some pretty nice years with the Mets, and then he blew out his shoulder, and that was kind of that. But they did yep. they let Torrey Hunter walk, but they kept Maurer, they kept Morneau, they kept Joe Nathan until he got hurt. Uh, you know, They kept Kadire. Right. And then they got to target field and they kind of, first of all, ran out of guys to keep because they just hadn't built themselves for the long run, but they had that lull where they weren't spending as much money. But again, they weren't creating good players. Aaron Hicks came up fizzled that sort of thing. So when you're like one for 60, (laughs) right? Exactly. When you look at off seasons though. So when I was a fan starting when I was just a kid and didn't really know any better, you know, they were signing guys like Dave Hollins, you know, who they ended up trading for David Ortiz. Different day, different story. But they would sign Greg Swindell. They would sign the, like, third and fourth tier free agents hoping to get something. Then, you know, you progress to the later Metrodome days, and it's like second, third tier guys. Rondell White, you kind of hope Wait, pans Craig, out. Craig Monroe. Craig Monroe. You got, who, who else am I thinking of? Uh, Mike Lamb Joe was a Creedy. guy. Mike Lamb, Joe Creedy. I, I thought Joe Creedy was going to be really good, and then his back just gave on yeah. him. But you get to the Target Field era, and they have the ability to spend more. They don't because the team's lousy Del- and, <laughs> and adding another player. I like will a, say Delman Young was my favorite player oof. of all time. I'm sorry to hear but, that. Yeah, I get, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, in, in 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 your opinion, do you think that was because of the new stadium? Uh, as far as what. As, as far as that low and spending. No, I think what happened was that they were just bad and they knew that, you know, you could have brought in Mike Trout in his prime and you still would have probably been like a 81, 82 win team. And granted, there was no Mike Trout's in free agency anyway. But, but, He'd probably be like the Angels. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, he's played, he's, I think he has zero postseason hits. I think he's 0 for whatever. But, <laughs> but I, I can't really cast stones. Joe Maurer never won a playoff game. So basically, though, yeah, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm dancing around here is this offseason has been a completely different animal than we've ever seen as twins types. Granted, you know, they sure. signed Lance Lee and they signed Logan Morrison. They made some signings and it was a maybe that offseason was one of the more active they'd ever had. But this one takes it to a whole new level. What was this offseason like for you as a fan? Because it was for me to cover you know, pretty intriguing. It was cool to see fans engaged because that means more Twitter followers, more page views, more people interacting. But for you as a fan, how how thrilling was this offseason and how much was that ramped up when Mark Feinsand of MLB.com tweets, 
Josh Donaldson has signed with the hashtag MN Twins. Yeah, for sure. Thought Donaldson was going to go back to Atlanta. I think we that all caught did. me. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that that caught me the the most off guard. I think last year's off season was uh, was a little bit of fun too, though. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't discount. I think Mar- signing Marlin for me mm-hmm. um, was a big signing. Signing CJ Crow, like these guys. It was funny because when, when they signed all these guys last year, I, my dad's a big Twins fan. I basically told him, like, yeah, these guys all hit 20 home runs a year, 25, 30 bombs a year. Jonathan Scope, like, too. It, it, I don't know. Or, sorry, what'd you say? Scope, too. Jonathan Scope. Yeah, Scope, exactly. All these guys were huge. And uh, I was like, at, at, at any point, these guys are at least going to hit home runs. Or Nelson Cruz. Like, I forgot so. about him, too. <laughs> sorry, go on. Yeah, no, exactly. Every single guy that we, we signed last year was a low-key 240 to 280 hitter with 20 to 30 home runs. And it was mm-hmm. hilarious. We were getting them on pretty good contracts. I actually liked the way that the team was built. Right. But I think as we saw the year go on, we did realize without Buxton, we have no capability of stealing a base. There was certain things that, that, you know, the, the whole game of baseball we lacked and the home run thing did get a little, a little bit carried away, which is why I'd, I'd be cool with getting rid of the bomb to squat thing too. Mm-hmm. But all of those things tying into this off season, um, you know, I think last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, uh, when Russell and Maeda signed in the same week, that was one of the, the most fun weeks of my life as a Minnesota sports fan. And when Donaldson signed, <clears throat> it was absolutely huge. Uh, it's probably the biggest signing the Twins have ever made uh, that I can I can remember outside of signing like in-house guys. But that all that stuff being said, I would love to see just one power bullpen arm, just just one guy that like is is known to come out and strike out guys and give me a little bit of a lefty-righty comfortability with, with Taylor Rogers coming out of the back end of the bullpen. Yeah. With the, to answer your question, it was the most fun offseason of all time. I just, I'm getting greedy now because we won 100 <laughs> games. And yeah. I realize we actually have a chance now. So the Twins won 101 games last year. Last I checked, my math is shaky, but 50 of them came against the AL Central. I don't think you can plan to repeat that, but... I see the Twins, and I wrote this for ZoneCoverage.com. Go check it out under the Twins tab, that the Twins are going to win 98 games this year. And I think a lot of people will say, oh, they're going to lose three more games. They're a better team. True. But so are the White Sox. Cleveland is still there. Detroit and Kansas City can't possibly be any worse than they were last year. So if you regress the fact that maybe if you brought back the same team, you could win 93 to 95 games, you had a few wins for Kenta Maeda, for Josh Donaldson. I don't think 98 is unreasonable. And I want to know if you were to guess today, March 5th, 2020, 21 days, three weeks to the day before the opening of the season in Oakland, how many wins are the Minnesota Twins going to have in 2020? Your answer would be what? 99 and 63. You say that without any hesitation. <laughs> yeah, that's. That's what I'm rolling with. I, uh, I but it sounds like you've thought about it. It sounds like you've thought about it. Oh, definitely. I, th- I, I thought about everything that you said. I definitely, um, I think the Twins, I think what you, what you just said is the most important thing. And you can't expect two teams to lose 100-something games uh, mm-hmm. in your division every year. That's obviously a big load. But at the same time, I think the, I think the Indians were a lot more competitive last year than they're going to be this year. And I think the White Sox will fill that role. I think the White Sox will give us a little bit of a problem. But... If the Twins don't win 99 games this year, if the Twins don't win 95-plus, I feel like it was a little bit of a disappointment. If they don't win 90-plus, I feel like it was a large disappointment. Yeah, 99 wins is very doable, especially when you look at the rest of the 
there's a lot of teams that have been weakened from this whole cheating scandal. Um, mm-hmm. Not just the not just the Astros. The Red Sox have been knocked down, and the, these other teams that have. I, I know we have Marwin, but Marwin actually came out apologized. But he's been like the least distraction out of all the the, the guys that have come out of Houston. But right. you know, fires all these other guys that are dealing with this stuff. It's it's nice to have a team that can focus on just baseball right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't think that's. Uh, the most underrated thing in the world. I think that, you know, I think the Astros are going to fall off this year. I don't think they're going to have this big, like, we're mad, let's prove the world wrong. I think, I, I think Altuve is getting, like, mentally uh, exhausted from this whole thing and you know, taking out the Astros, taking out these other teams that are competitive with us. You know, there's 15 teams in each. It's not that, uh, it's not that, that big of a league. If you narrow down a, a couple teams, boom, you're right there. And, and you get rid of the teams that have no, absolutely no chance it kind of puts us up against about four teams that have a realistic shot of winning it all. And that's including the athletics in my opinion. So yeah. I'm very yeah. excited, but I, I do think the twins, uh, I think the twins could win more than hundred games, but I think it's, it's a little bit mainstream to be like, yeah, we're going to win 105 games. I don't think people realize how long of a season it is. Yeah. Well, the last thing I got before I let you go, I wrote a piece just recently for zonecoverage.com on what could knock the twins off their path and injuries each of their offensive players has had some kind of fairly se- severe injury in the last year or two. Since that piece went public, yeah. we saw that Marwin Gonzalez actually had knee surgery this offseason. Not serious knee surgery, but I think anytime you operate on a hinge for a baseball player, it's it's got to be considered. And pitchers get hurt. It just happens. Age, Josh Donaldson's 34. Nelson Cruz will be 40 in July. All of the guys they sign in free agency for the most part are over 30. Granted, that's kind of how free agency works. How how worried are you that any of these things could pop up? Because here's the deal. We talked about the team's depth. If Homer Bailey Mm -hmm. has an issue and never throws a pitch for the Twins, or let's say Rich Hill never throws a pitch for the Twins, I do think they're balanced enough to stem those tides. Obviously, Jose Barrios would be a different story, but... Again, you know, Michael Pineda, Odorizzi, Maeda, still a really good, you know, two, three, four, one, two, three, if you need. You could, you could still, with that offense, probably win the division. But how, yeah. how worried are you that any of these things could pop up? Because Chicago, who knows? Maybe Chicago just lights the world on fire and wins 100 games. Nobody expected the Twins to do that yeah. a year ago. And so that could pop up. Age could pop up. Injuries could pop up. I still think the Twins are fairly well insulated against all those things, but I also think Twins fans have been a little bit too puffed up and cocky about what happened last year, and those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it, and they're starting to sound an awful lot like Cleveland fans from 366 days ago. I guess we have a leap day that just has to be baked in. But, no, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a whole page of stuff that can go wrong that I've written. Like, I, I keep track of that type of stuff, honestly especially regression type things. And I mean, starting with Buxton, that can go off rails really quick with any head injury again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Buxton, Buxton, I don't even know. I've been at so many games where he just, he just hits things so hard. Like it just makes no sense sometimes. And, and I just, I, I will never trust Buxton until he plays a full season. Um, I think, I think when you look at the whole lineup, you look at Miguel Sano, there's a huge spot for a, a question mark with Sano. I think he can blow up or he can also regress. Uh, I, I think he's upward trending. I think he's one of the safest guys to upward trend. Yep. Rosario's been talking uh, talking a lot about his improvement and 
his, his approach at the plate and stuff. But until he does something besides swing at absolutely everything, my my thoughts on him have been have been going straight down. Like you're saying, the twins uh, twins views are getting a little inflated. Arias, he, I don't I don't know if a guy like him is going to hit 340 again. Right. Um, that that was that was unbelievable what he came up and did. And and you can't just you can't just swap that in the lineup and say that's what's going to happen. So especially with a guy that has absolutely no power, like you said with Donaldson, um, his age is a huge issue. Uh, if if he gets injured or if injuries start to catch up with him and. Yeah, Donaldson's an amazing player, and his, his average got a little low, but he, he's not some some guy I'm going to give you like a big worry on. Uh, Kepler, for me, has been one of the biggest scares for the Twins for a while with his streakiness. He he hit three home runs in a game. What? How many times now? And and you see you see how cold he can get sometimes, going like oh for twenty three, oh for twenty four at at really bad times. And when he gets cold, his swing just doesn't look the same. Something just looks completely different. Well, and he had that mysterious and, uh, shoulder yeah. injury that cost him the entire second half of September last year. Yeah. Was it shoulder or chest or whatever it was? It oh was yeah. Just, they couldn't uh, decide. That's weird. what I remember. They couldn't decide which it was. The story kind of changed. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was just a lot. And then if you look at Polanco, he started the season on a tear. I actually uh, picked him to win a batting title uh, before the season. I thought I had a shot at it. And, I think he hit like what two fifty eight the you know the the remaining months of the season which you know it's, it's not it's not great and then you got Mitch Garver who another guy that just started out on fire who who slowly uh, went down and kind of with those home run numbers uh, kind of kept people uh, interested and mm-hmm. with the pitching rotation that's where that's where I'm excited because I don't think anybody in the pitching rotation with the exception of Odorizzi reached uh, reached anywhere near their potential last year I think uh, people need to stop looking at this lineup and and think that you're going to get the same production out of it and, and focus more on the, the improvement that we can get out of the pitching rotation because Pineda was hot at the end of the year, although he wasn't, he wasn't pitching deep enough into games for my, for my liking. Personally, he was going, you know, five, two thirds, six yeah. and a third, stuff like that. Cause he was yeah. trying to get them into the flow of things, but Pineda's a really good pitcher. Odorizzi can go out there and, and give you good starts. Brios can give you good starts. Maeda can give you good starts. You piece together a little bit of a bullpen. I think that's where you focus on the foundation. But like we've said, the regular season's a different animal from the postseason. If you go out and you win a hundred games and you're feeling good about yourself, and uh, Arias, uh, Arias sprains his ankle right before the playoffs, and Odorizzi has a sore tendon, and someone, it, it can go off rails so quickly to the point that that's where the depth is huge, and I, I do appreciate having that depth. Yeah. But until we go out there and, and actually win something, it's gonna. I'm, I'm like you. I'm gonna have this like, all right, Twins fans, let's let's pump the brakes on. I'm thinking that we've won something because we we honestly haven't. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good point. And I pointed back to 2018 where everything that could have gone wrong did. Polanco suspended. So now with yeah. the off-season, off-the-field allegations and, and just Irvin Santana basically giving the Twins his middle <laughs> finger because he had surgery on it, that sort of thing. Now, the the elephant in the room here is that we promoted – a tiny Nick appearance on last week's show. And then you said you had to take a test. Did you actually, so did you pass, did you at least pass the test? Uh, I passed the test. Yes. Okay. So at least you were gone and it was justified, which is good. I got a 71%. It was like the worst I've done in the test this semester. If I have to be honest. Yeah. Well that, that to me is, is still pretty good. I mean, if you're playing a video game and, a player's a 71. They're at least a decent contributor. So you did fine there. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we got to get you off the class here in yeah. the next few minutes. So thank you so much. Let's let's check back again here, maybe in a couple months, see where the Twins are, see where you're at in terms of 
checking the temperature of the Minnesota Twins. But hey, thank you so much for for taking time to get on the show. We we really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Brandon. Hopefully today's test go a little better. You got it. Well, you can follow him on Twitter at the Real Tiny Nick. For Tim Cheesebro producing, this is Brandon Warren at Brandon underscore Warren on Twitter saying thank you so much for checking out Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago.